Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Hearth Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. And Gipper. Sports graphics made incredibly simple. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is really an old friend, Ed Lockwood. Ed is a certified master athletic administrator. He's a longtime athletic director in the state of North Dakota and was executive director for uh, the North Dakota AD Association for eight years, Uh, but he's still very active. He is the assistant program director for the NIAAA certification program, which is where we met. He's also a staff member for the NIAAA Professional Development Academy. Ed, welcome to the podcast. Wow, what a wonderful opportunity to spend some time visiting with a good friend and and sharing some thoughts. Well, we're certainly glad to have you. Um, As you know, uh, these days, the life of an athletic director uh, is very busy, so we're going to jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, where you went to school, um, maybe how your love of sports led to this uh, career in athletic administration. Well, I have a, a really storied background in terms of uh, being around in a lot of different schools and being involved uh, as kind of a transient person all my life. I grew up in New York, uh, out in Long Island, uh, then spent time in Wyoming, and then eventually in North Dakota. Um, Graduated from a a small high school, participated in about every sport you could, uh, then went to college at a a small college in Minot, North Dakota, uh, ran track, and. played one year in football. I uh, got kind of smoked on a play and <laughs> ended my career. Um, then went on and became a teacher at uh, th- three different smaller schools, uh, was a head football coach, was blessed with some wonderful athletes to work with and blessed with uh, uh, some tremendous success. Uh, then went on and as my colleagues all said in my coaching career, uh, you went to the dark side and became a high school principal. Uh, spent some time in, uh, oh, for about 13 years, well, actually about 17 years as a assistant principal or head principal with uh, combined duties of being an athletic administrator. Uh, was an athletic administrator for about 34 years and uh, spent 43 years in 
in uh, athletic administration. I uh, ended up, I uh, landed my last job in Fargo, North Dakota, which was unheard of in North Dakota for a small school athletic administrator to go in and take over in a big school district. Um, was fortunate to be there for 23 years, uh, served as a high school, a single high school athletic administrator, then became the district athletic administrator for about eight years. Um, and culminating in uh, 2012 with my retirement and uh, what a great opportunity I had in Fargo. I don't know that there's too much more I can say about my past other than, uh, uh, you know, I, I think about some of the, the individuals and the people who were a part of my life and uh, they're all directly related to my experiences as an athletic administrator. Well, um, it's always nice to hear all of those details. I knew bits and pieces from our, uh, you know, casual conversations. But, uh, um, you know, as you can attest, and, and my, you know, my career has been spent largely at smaller schools. Um, you wear a lot of hats at those small schools that those principals and ADs at the big schools, uh, you know, don't often see. So uh, it, I think it provides you with a pretty good perspective coming into that type of situation. That is definitely true, uh, Jake. I, I can remember actually having to run some bus routes as an athletic administrator because we didn't have any subs. So I, I was out doing uh, rural bus routes in the early morning um, after we'd had our initial early morning football practice. And then, you know, at, at night I couldn't because I had practice, but uh, uh, doing the, all the gym work and the flooring painting the football fields, uh, that all fell on you. And I, I have a huge appreciation for small school athletic administrators. You um, started to talk a little bit about um, some of the mentors in your life. And in our business, you know, leadership and mentorship is, is just so critical. Uh, who were some of those mentors uh, that you had, either coaches growing up or maybe uh, people that you worked with or worked for. Uh, the expression I like to use is, I still hear those voices in my head when I'm talking to coaches or, or kids or sometimes parents. Yeah, I, I can honestly relate to that. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have some outstanding coaches in high school and also unfortunate enough to have one that uh, was very old school and was one that actually made me want to become a coach because I could see everything he was doing was wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't the right way to approach coaching. And uh, I'm not going to go into detail some of the things he did, but it, it, it was, um, at least I learned what I didn't want to do. And, you know, sometimes you have to do that. You have to figure out, you know, why is it you're going to do this? And then if you're going to do it, what are some of the things that are causing you to maybe not want to do it. And that really helped me. I'm, I'm telling you, um, had a hall of fame basketball coach, uh, and, uh, in college, I was able to be networked with some wonderful people and that helped an awful lot. And then out in the job world, I, I can think of a superintendent that came in my office. I'd just taken a, a large school uh, athletic director's position, full-time athletic director. 
And uh, it was one of those things where I had been in the, the small school setting where you did everything. And you were expected to lock the gym. You're expected to open the gym. You were supposed to be the last person to leave the school, all of this. And I had been on the job for about two weeks and he walked in my office and just bluntly shut the door. I mean, I, I was scared to death. And he said, you know, I've lived through a divorce because I was a principal and I spent my whole life in the building. You need to understand that you have another life and you're not coming to work at 6.30 in the morning and leaving here at 10 o'clock at night. Is that understood? Well, I said, I, you know, somebody's gotta do the work. And he said, you need to learn to delegate. You need to understand and trust that some other people can help you. And if you need help, you better come and see me because we're gonna make sure you're successful. But more importantly, we're gonna make sure you don't work yourself into a divorce. So I've been, just been blessed with a wife that uh, understood my whole life, I, 18 years of football coaching and being involved with that. And then every night we had a standing rule uh, that every night we had dinner together, whether it was a hot dog at a football game, a sub that was delivered to the teacher's lounge or whatever it was. And uh, we had uh, designated dates that we, we took care of. So I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But anyway, uh, the, the other person that I would have to say is a, a mentor was the athletic director at the Bismarck Public Schools when I was just starting to be an athletic director. Dick Carlgard is his name. And Dick was the ultimate professional. Uh, I think he's probably could be considered the grandfather or the godfather of our uh, organization here in North Dakota. And uh, he emulated everything that I wanted to be. Matter of fact, there, I, I hate to admit this publicly, but I coveted his job. That's the only job I wanted from day one. And uh, I, I'm just blessed to have him give me a lot of direction, a lot of ideas, um, and more than that, just giving me a, a, a sense of and a vote of confidence that you can do this, man, just do it. So, um, I'd have to take my hat off to him. And unfortunately he has passed on, but uh, he was really a tremendous mentor for me. Mm -hmm. uh, the other people in my, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, sir. <laughs> uh, well, the other people in my life would have to be the people that I spent time with in Fargo. Uh, my uh, principal, uh, he grew up in New Jersey and New York and we made a great connection right away. And uh, he taught me a lot about, um, understanding the larger school system and then some colleagues that I had there. Uh, and when I was my last years as a district athletic director, I, I tell you, I, I can't be more blessed with having six building athletic directors that just worked their tails off. And it was fun. It was really fun to, to work with them. So that's people that probably influenced my life and made me kind of what I am today. Uh, it's, it's always great to hear those stories. And it's just a reminder to all of us that, you know, uh, we don't get here on our own. You know, there's uh, those people that were, you know, helping us, uh, you know, pushing us, you know, sometimes knocking some sense into us uh, along the journey. Right? Yeah. You know, um, Ed, obviously, you, you've been an AD for a long time. And, and for our younger ADs, you know, Ed's been retired, but it, it's not like he's in the rocking chair. You know, the work that he does with the national organization 
in the area of professional development, organizing workshops and, and making sure those workshops are topical is just incredible. I don't, I don't know if there's anybody that has a, their finger on the pulse of today's athletic world more than you. Uh, so here's my question. Uh, from the time that you took that first AD job a few years ago uh, to now, uh, how has the daily job, the day-to-day -day job of an AD changed? Um, obviously technology. Uh, so outside of, you know, what we're doing today, Zoom and email and things like that, you know, how has the day-to-day -day job of an athletic director changed since you first got started? Well, when I got started, we had a red calendar, a book, and that was the Bible. And we had uh, uh, several manuals or uh, policies that we followed. And the urgency to get things done wasn't quite as critical. Today, with social media uh, and with all the other electronic uh, avenues that are available to an athletic administrator, it seems like things need to be done quicker. They need to be done uh, in a more open and, uh, and I'm not saying that we were clandestine or something like that and held all of our uh, policies secret, but it wasn't that we were, we were held accountable, but not at immer immediately. It was like, we had some time to process things. Uh, today, it just seems like whatever the, the hottest moment is, you've got to come up with a solution. Uh, I feel like if you were in my time frame way back, you could go in and run a couple problems off the, the head of the, the school, or you could get a couple colleagues and talk, but it seems like now an issue is dumped on your desk and Everyone wants an immediate answer right now. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes those answers uh, lead to some mistakes or misunderstanding. Uh, communication is, a, is way more critical today than it was back in the 70s when I started, you know, the early 70s, late 60s. So it, it is a real, a different world today that most athletic administrators administrators are, are faced with. The other piece that I would say, and this makes me really seem old, but back in my day, there were only a couple women's sports or female sports. And today, the, the gamut and the, the, the collective amount of programming Okay, and the collective amount of sports that an individual athletic administrator has to deal with today is, is just monumental in, in terms of how, how many sports you have, how um, many people you're uh, trying to help with this and coach. Um, I always have believed in the fact that you need to spend time with coaches, you need to coach coaches. Uh, feedback is the the breakfast of all champions and and you need to provide some really good constructive and positive uh feedback to all those coaches so um i find that is a a real dilemma for most athletic administrators in our state a lot of our athletic administrators also have to have a dual job where they're an assistant principal um and so forth and so to balance all of that out i i can't even fathom how they do it 
um, back in my days when I was at Fargo South, uh, they, they asked me to supervise 32 teachers do their three or four annual uh, evaluations. Plus I had nearly 65 athletic personnel that I had to deal with. And, you know, on a budget that, you know, you had to prepare every year and so forth. And I, and I often thought to myself, I don't even think the head principal had that much work to do. But that's the kinds of things that have changed. Um, and unfortunately for some school districts with finances the way they are, we find more and more athletic administrators having to wear one, more than one hat. They have to wear three or four hats sometimes. So that's the difference I see today um, in, in terms of how you look at where it was in 1970 versus 2020. Oh, no, no question. And uh, just even talking about sports, you know, I was back in high school, sorry, uh, as a student in those uh, early mid 70s. And girls sports were just starting to uh, appear at, at our high school. Uh, but even the number of boys sports, you know, back then there was no soccer, there was no lacrosse. Uh, and now those are huge programs, uh, as you know, as well as all the girls sports. So I mean, it's a good thing, but obviously more challenging for athletic directors. Um, next question. Um, with your work of certification, uh, you are privileged to see some outstanding uh, new programs through the um, presentation of the CMAA projects, both written and oral. And so without you know, naming names or schools, uh, what are some of the really interesting, really good uh, new ideas, new projects that you have seen? Uh, because again, we, we build this podcast as uh, sharing best practices. So uh, what's some of the good ones that you've seen in the last uh, you know, couple of years? Wow, there's so many. Uh, and I, I guess the one that jumps off in my mind is, you know, we're all about trying to promote our programs. We, we really, really need to do a public relations type of plan of how booster clubs, how um, the general public, publics that you deal with actually, um, can hear about what your programs are all about. And this particular individual wrote up a, a comprehensive plan of how the individual coaches become a part of the whole, not just a separate entity. So that, you know, what he was dealing with was satellite booster clubs all the time. And, you know, there are two issues with satellite booster clubs. One is it, you could have the haves and the have nots. You also have a gender issue. And so what you want to be able to say to these booster clubs that are satellites is what's the best for our school? What's the best for our athletic program? Not just what's best for football, what's best for girls basketball or whatever it would be. And so he wrote a plan up and I, I, I haven't had a chance to visit with the person much, but I, I did see him at the national a year ago and I, I had a chance to visit with him and see how things were going. And he said that things are really progressing to where the school is united. Um, and I'm, 
I'm not going to say his name or the, the school or anything here because I don't think it'd be fair to him. I haven't asked his permission. But um, that's one that I would really, really say that I was just overwhelmed with, with, with the amount of detail and, and uh, the buy-in he got from his school. Um, there are all kinds of uh, CMAA projects that have come in. Uh, some have dealt with uh, revising how they electronically send out information, which I thought was really a, um, an eye-opener for me. Uh, being eight years out from being an active AD, you don't, you don't think of social media as a critical as it is today. Matter of fact, in my last years, we were kind of discouraging coaches from using electronics too much because it, it can be misconstrued as the possibility of harassment or all kinds of things if you don't say the right things or they could be misinterpreted. So we were trying to discourage it. And today, I, I can't think of hardly a school district that doesn't have a Facebook page or a, some kind of electronic uh, social media that they're just throwing out all kinds of information, whether it's a calendar, um, an announcement that practices are canceled or whatever. And a lot of the small schools in North Dakota, that's what they're, they've gone totally to that. Um, they, they've just asked all patrons that in all athletic participants to be a member of these pages or this social media. And that's where all the electronic information goes out. So uh, we, that, CMA project was was really a, an eye-opener for me. Uh, I could talk for hours about this, so I'll, I'll just let it go with that. But, you know, I, I just want to encourage your listeners to understand there isn't a bad project. And most every one of our athletic administrators who are CAA seeking their CMAA could easily write up or present orally a project or an idea that they are trying to implement. And that would be more than sufficient to become a part of the CMAA world. And so I'm, I would really, as a closing comment to that, I would really encourage all those individuals to seek that, that classification and certification. Oh, I appreciate you sharing that. And you know what uh, I do in Florida for our athletic directors is, is, is I tell them flat out, you're already doing something at your school with your kids, your coaches, your teams, your parents. That would make a great CMAA project. You know, you just have to organize your thoughts and then present it either, you know, in written form or the new oral presentation. So uh, uh, also uh, one more pitch, uh, since Ed and I are both on certification, um, you can go to the NIAAA website. And there is a log of uh, what, let's say, uh, excellent CMAA projects uh, available that you can actually look at and, uh, and get some ideas from. Uh, let's go and shift gears a little bit, Ed. Uh, let's talk about COVID. Uh, it certainly had an impact uh, on athletics across the country. We've seen a variety of responses to it. Uh, some states have gone uh, right ahead, business as usual. Uh, other states have uh, canceled seasons or moved the seasons around. You know, football gets moved to the spring and baseball to the fall. Uh, here in Florida, you know, we delayed for one month and then uh, resumed, uh, you know, our fall sports calendar. Uh, but we still have schools. Uh, and um, for our listeners, we're recording this uh, in early October. 
uh, we still have schools in Florida that are just now getting back on campus uh, for school and sports. So we know it's been different. So Ed, my question is, what's happening right now in North Dakota as far as return to school as well as athletics? Well, we have a, <clears throat> a different dynamic in North Dakota than a lot of states, but I think the rural uh, aspect of our state really makes for two different worlds of, of education and activities. Number one, we have high schools with only 100 kids in it and or less. And those schools uh, are obviously going full time. Uh, and they have uh, clustered their students into groups and tried to keep them in those groups, whether it's by grade or by class. And they're doing a lot of the screening like you would find in any other school, but they've been going full time. And, and uh, we're, we're seeing a, a moderate amount of success in these students being able to stay in school. The larger communities that have three or four high schools um, or more, they are in a, a situation where they're doing hybrids. And some of them have gone, like in Fargo, uh, there was a increased amount of, of number of COVIDs in that county. So we have a color code and when they got to yellow, that meant that we had to go to stay at home or virtual school. And um, it has divided our state because there are people who live in the big towns who are looking at the kids in a small town and those kids are, it's business as usual. It's a normal school day. It's a normal activity day. Uh, we also had uh, in the color coding, the number of people who could actually attend an athletic event. At first it started with 50% of the capacity of the stadium or the gymnasium. Then it started with only 250. It was downgraded to 250. Well, if you go to a small community, 250 is a normal crowd. You know, that's about what you would find at, at a volleyball match or at a, a football game. So it, it's been a really difficult situation for uh, school administrators because as soon as they make the decision, they're wrong. It, it, it could be the right decision, but it's gonna be wrong because 50% of the people are gonna agree and 50% are not. I'm, I'm just grateful I'm retired because I don't have to make those decisions right now. Um, the other thing they've done in North Dakota in the large schools has gone to a voucher system for uh, a, people who are fans. And that's usually moms and dads. Um, and each athlete is given a number of those uh, vouchers. And then those are the only people that can attend the game. Well, um, that again creates another have and have not situation. Uh, I'm really grateful uh, this last weekend, we completed two seasons. Uh, we ended up finishing our uh, girls tennis season, uh, excuse me, our boys tennis season. And um, we will be finishing up our boys no, girls tennis, excuse me, girls golf. I got to get this correct. Girls golf, and we finished up our soccer season. Um, our tennis season had already, our, will be finishing this weekend. So um, that's a real plus for us because we ended up last March canceling all of the spring sports as well as we were right in the middle 
of finishing up our basketball tournaments. And uh, we were halfway through the large school basketball tournament. Um, it's a combined tournament for girls and boys and they canceled it. We had a day and a half left to go and they canceled it at, at one o'clock right after the consolation rounds were finishing up in the morning. And so um, that was really a, um, a difficult situation to deal with for the student athletes. Um, I hear I have a 15 or 16 member golf group I play with, and we're mostly all retired coaches and athletic administrators. And I hear them all complaining about the fact that their kids or their grandkids are not getting an opportunity to be seniors. They're not getting a chance to participate in their programming the way they should. And um, it's just a, a tragedy that we're having to deal with. But I know every state is going to deal with this differently. And um, we're hopeful that at the Virtual Athletic Administrators National Conference, we're going to have some breakout sessions. And one of those is going to be uh, kind of focusing more on return to, to activities and see if we can get individuals to share what they've had to go through, maybe some best practices, maybe a policy or a procedure that was really worked well for them. It's a public relations nightmare for everyone. Um, visited with one athletic director and he said, I've never worked so hard and put so much time in to accomplish nothing. And it, 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 it's the truth. I mean, you just, uh, how can you plan and plan and plan? And then the an hour later, they call and say, no, it's off. So it's very fluid. No, I can uh, certainly agree with that. It's been a crazy time. Uh, I had a good friend I went to college with, and we're still in touch, but uh, uh, about a year ago, or not a year ago, last spring, you know, he was saying, boy, you must be, uh, uh, you know, taking it easy, all those Zoom conferences. And I just said, like, those are they're exhausting okay because it's uh you're working hard in a different way so hopefully things will continue to improve uh not just in north dakota but uh you know the rest of the country um ed uh, one thing that we've been asking our ad's uh since we started this uh kind of relates to the idea of you know these social awareness uh social justice issues you know the events of last spring in minneapolis and atlanta and then you know, um, just recently in Wisconsin. Um, my question is this, what are some things that we as athletic directors can do better uh, with our kids, with our coaches, with our communities? You know, how can we do a better job in this area of social awareness? Well, not being involved directly right now, I, this is just my opinion. So <laughs> I hope you take it for what it's worth. One of, one of the thoughts, you know, growing up in New York, I was fortunate to have the opportunity to be around a lot of other cultures and a lot of other nationalities. However, with that being said, in North Dakota, I, we are as um, Anglo-Saxon as you can get up here. Um, and it has gradually been transforming into a, a more of a melting pot in the larger cities with... Uh, refugees and so forth that have come in. And we're growing to the point where a large number of our high schools have between 10 and 20% um, of another minority, another group of individuals. And so what we've 
constantly been aware of is the needs of the, each of those individual students, how they can transition into the culture that we have, and then also how we can be aware of their culture. What is it, what is it like? What, where do they come from? I'll never forget the, the first um, young lady who came into my office. This was back in 1991. She was from Vietnam. She didn't know how to speak English very well. She didn't understand what we were trying to do. She couldn't read or write. She was um, educationally deficient, not illiterate in the terms of how she would be in Vietnam. She understood what was going on in Vietnam, but she didn't understand America. This young lady went to a home ec class and without even having a pattern or anything, designed a coat and sold it. Well, I was just overwhelmed by this. And so I, I went and talked to the teacher and what, what's going on? And she said, this girl is absolutely talented beyond what I can even teach her. So I talked to her, you know, and we had an interpreter and, and she was picking up some of what I was saying. Here I find out she had spent, since she was 12 years old, in a sweatshop, learning how to make, you know, and making clothing. Well, that's what we need to do as athletic administrators. We need to get down and talk to the kids, find out what's going on. Why are they feeling the way they're feeling? What is it that we can do to understand their culture and the dilemmas that they go through on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I choose not to make this a political uh, piece in my life. Uh, I am... Uh, I don't think I am any what biased or prejudiced towards any nationality. Um, some really close friends of mine are, are from other cultures, including Native American. So it, it's, it's a matter of just understanding where they are and then how does that fit within your own team, your own culture in your athletic program. Um, sometimes we're not aware being uh, not in their world, so to speak. We're not aware of what they actually are perceiving what's being said. Sometimes it's subliminal that we, we say something and it's taken just a whole different way. Um, and so we, we need to be aware of that. And we also need to also be more open-minded in terms of inviting them to become a part of the programs. Uh, let them understand that they're welcome, they're, they're uh, a piece of the whole puzzle that, you know, that we're trying to build. We're trying to build young people into great citizens. And athletic participation is one way to do that. Um, we're all in it in athletics for the, the betterment of the team, the betterment of the whole, not just the individual. And uh, that's a lesson that sometimes in a classroom doesn't get transitioned at all. Uh, it's, it, it, you, you're lucky if it does, but in athletics, we have that opportunity. So that's what I would say we could do different. No, oh, well, I really appreciate you sharing that. I, I think it's spot on. Well, Ed, this has just been wonderful. Uh, again, we could see each other a couple of times a year, but it's always fun to spend more time, but we're not quite done. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, 
you're certainly a, an experienced, uh, you know, wise athletic director with uh, lots of tools in your toolbox. But right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new AD, but I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. What three things are going to go in Ed Lockwood's athletic director toolbox? Well, the first thing that I would definitely recommend, and if they don't have one, is to make sure you have a, a written policy manual of some sort that you can fall back on and stay consistent with what you're expecting as well as what the outcomes should be. So that to me, if you don't have it, then you need to sit down with your school board, your school administrators, and start to develop something that allows you to have a a foundation to stand on. You, you're going to make decisions. Well, why did you make those decisions? And were they consistent with what the policies of the school district and the culture of the community will accept? And if they're not, you're going to really be in a bad, bad spot. Second thing I would probably want in that toolbox is them to have an awareness that they have other people in their life they need to share their life with. So learn to communicate well with your family. If you're married and have children, be sure that you allocate time. Um, I've always been a believer in quality, not quantity of time. Uh, the quality of time should be not, should be one that is uninterrupted. It's, it's something that you're going to do. My late wife um, had a standing rule. We ate dinner together no television on, and before we left the table, there was a game that we'd play. Maybe it was dominoes, maybe puzzle, but, or checkers, whatever. An amazing thing about that is during that 15 to 30 minutes after we finished eating, we talked. We shared our lives together, and it was quality time. It's easy to go get into a, uh, your cell phone. It's easy to go get into it your computer, it's easy to just ignore what's going on, but you need to make a purposeful attempt to spend time with your family. It will be the most uh, healthy thing you can do emotionally for yourself. It, the biggest thing that happens to athletic directors is they burn out. And it's, it's, a, it's a common thing. So find a way to make that happen along with being a part of that family, make one day, at least one day a week, a date night. It's a night. Now, if you're not married and you're dating, well, then that's the night. And you just need to make it clear to your boss, to your staff, you're not available that night. You're, you're just not. That's it. Um, my third advice or third tool would be that you need to know you're not alone. And I, I think I would probably just be redundant saying over and over and over, because I know I've listened to some of your other podcasts and everybody says the same thing, but it's true. You are a part of a brotherhood, sisterhood of tremendous people. And the wonderful part about this whole NIAAA organization and your state organization, and maybe you're even your conference or whatever, is that every one of them wants you to be successful. They want you to have an opportunity to have all the knowledge and experiences that they went through, but 
hopefully you'll do it without making as many mistakes as we have. And so lean on those folks. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone. Um, be involved with your, your state organization and your national organization. The leadership training courses that are offered by the NIAAA are the, outs, the most outstanding resource you can find. I can remember when there were none. And then I could remember when there was only one and we had this great big manual and we'd all thumb through it. And it was probably five or 600 pages. It was a thick three ring binder. And then I can remember people starting to say, I need to know more about this. And that was uh, the, the crux of building more and the catalyst of building more and more courses. 50 some courses are offered right now. And we have four or five that are in the planning stages and, and uh, we're working on developing those courses. If you can't get an answer there, I'm telling you there's someone in your district or in your uh, state that can help you. So uh, that would be my three tools. And I would encourage everyone to be a, a major part of that growth because we each can help each other. Again, great, uh, great advice from uh, a very successful athletic director. Okay. Ed, thanks so much for visiting with us today. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to visiting with you again soon. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a certification Zoom coming up. To our listeners, uh, as always, thanks for tuning in. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening to the Educational AD Podcast. Remember, the video version of this interview is available on YouTube. Go to the FIAAA Educational AD Podcast channel on YouTube. Thanks again.